Hey friends. Happy Super Bowl Day. Or uh, for me, it's really more like happy eat food and commercial day. I don't care that much about football. But I do like being together. And the pig is going to be glorious. The pig is in transit as we speak. And, uh, and the cooking will actually begin while we're still in here. So if it starts smelling like a bit of heaven in here after a while, it, it may not be the divine presence. It might actually be the pig. So just that you know that's coming. But uh, very stoked on that. Uh, hey, and also speaking of Ash Wednesday and the season of Lent, so uh, you'll get an email about this this week, but we want to encourage you to start thinking about, praying about how you might observe Lent this year. If there's uh, some way God is drawing you in terms of a particular fast you might make uh, or a particular spiritual discipline you might add, but it's, it's a season that we like to utilize in terms of our own spiritual formation uh, we'll be doing kind of a collective Bible reading plan as well in the Uversion app, so we'll send you some more info about that as well, and if you're interested, we'd love to get you into that also. But uh, So uh, today, uh, here's where we're going. We've been doing this series on our vision and our values, and uh, we've, we've got inside of those what we call the big four, right? Uh, biblical, devotional, missional, and connectional. And these are a, a good kind of shorthand description of our life together and what we are looking for God to do in us. And today we're, we're talking about uh, what it means to be a, a missional church. And we like to say that mission is why the church exists. Or in a, another place in our, our documents, we like to say that, that we exist as a church for the good of the world. That we don't exist primarily for ourselves. That we believe That there is a God who loves the world so much that he would give his son to die for this world. And he is at work bringing about a world that looks more like his vision of the world. His, His kingdom is the way that the scriptures describe this. And Jesus came announcing that the kingdom of God is is now here. It's broken in. And the church is a community of people who are apprenticing themselves to Jesus, becoming like Jesus. And as part of that, it means that we are part of God's mission in the world. But here's the thing. Here's the thing for you and I, uh, living ordinary, going to work, going to school, raising kids, doing dishes sort of lives. How do we participate in the in-breaking kingdom of God? How do we, in the language we use in our, our values and our vision, how do we live as those who are missional, who are participating in God's mission? And I would suggest this today, I'll submit this to you as sort of our headline for the day, that to be a missional Christian, it means we focus on one person at a time. If we want to grow as those who are missional, grow in this aspect of what it means to follow Jesus, we focus on one person at a time. And I think sometimes we get tripped up in this a little bit because as as a culture, we value bigness. We value many, we value much. This is how we, we, uh, we evaluate, how we measure success in the things that we're doing. Uh, but I would suggest, and we'll look at this today, I would suggest that when you look at the Gospels, you see Jesus' primary way of influencing change in the world is one person at a time. It's not the many, it's not the much. It's primarily one at a time. And I believe there's something very powerful for us to emulate in that as we seek to become like Jesus. 
Now, there's, there's exceptions, of course. You know, there's Jesus feeding 5,000 people. There's Jesus preaching the Sermon on the Mount to a large multitude. These kinds of things. But I, I would suggest, if you really look, these are outliers. The norm in Scripture is one person at a time. Right? Uh, one Pharisee coming to Jesus in the middle of the night to talk about who God is. Right? One woman who's caught... In adultery, one leper who wants to be healed, one blind man who's coming forward looking for him, one tax collector who Jesus singles out and says, you, let's sit down and let's eat and let's talk about what the kingdom looks like in your life. Overwhelmingly, Jesus' ministry happens one person at a time. And so I want to pose this question for us and just have you noodle on this as we look at the scriptures today. Could it be that God's way of using you in the world, that, that that part of the kingdom coming that God is going to task you with, that this is going to come not primarily through the big, through the flashy, but just through you being attentive to God's spirit and focusing on one person at a time that God brings into your path. Uh, I want to footnote a book here, too, before I forget to, but uh, there's a wonderful book on this called One at a Time by Kyle Eidelman that I'm channeling a bit of here this morning. Our small group went through it uh, this past year. Uh, But we're going to open and look at Luke chapter 8, verse 40, and looking at a a story in Jesus' life that captures this dynamic, and in particular, three practices of Jesus that we can emulate as we are seeking to become like him in this way. So let's pray together and look at the scriptures. Heavenly Father, we pause this morning and we give you thanks. We thank you that we are the product of your love for this world. We thank you, God, that wherever we stand with you, that you have gone before us, that you have allowed your grace to come to us in the form of life and breath and food and water, clothing and shelter. And we thank you, God, that for many here, your grace has come in the form of of salvation, of forgiveness for sins, of a life eternal that begins now and that echoes on into the life to come. But God, we just give you thanks. And Lord, we declare together today that our desire is to be like Jesus, that we are looking for you to make us more and more like your son. And we pray that you would meet us in that. As we come to the scriptures, as we sing, as we partake in the sacraments, God, we we pray that you would meet us in that way. We trust you for this. We open ourselves to you for this. In Christ's name, amen. All right, friends, so how do we learn this particular practice from Jesus to live more missionally, one person at a time? Uh, First practice I'd put out for us this morning is this. It's this. It's develop a posture of missional expectancy. A posture of missional expectancy. This is Luke chapter 8, verse 40. It says, Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. And pause there. So, so note how the scene opens. Right? As the scene opens, we're told that a crowd welcomed him. 
Jesus, he's coming back from something else that he's doing. He's coming back and there is a crowd that is there waiting for him. It says they were expecting him. This is, it's not just a crowd. It's a crowd with expectations, right? Jesus, make us more bread. Jesus, heal this person over here. Jesus, settle this dispute between my brother and I, right? The crowds always have these expectations of Jesus as he comes. But what does Jesus do? Right in the midst of this crowd, he focuses in on this one, Jairus, a synagogue leader, a a local church pastor, more or less. And he's a dad, and he's got a little girl, and that little girl is dying. And Jesus knows this, this is the one, and that's where his focus goes. How does he do this? Right, how does he know? In a world with so much need, how does he know where his attention is supposed to go? What to say yes to, what to let fall by the wayside? Uh, you know, and you think about this, in our lives too. I mean, we always have a lot going around us. We have, uh, we have responsibilities of various kinds. There's bills to pay. There's work to do. There's children to bathe. There's homework to complete. There's dishes to wash. All the things. There is a lot of life crowding in on us all the time. And the first thing that we notice in Jesus, that wherever we tune in in the Gospels, right, whatever else is going on, there's always this sense about him of what I'm referring to as missional expectancy. There is this, this solid core belief that God loves the world, that God is at work in the world. And that at any moment, God may invite him to participate in that work. Uh, In one context, Jesus explains it this way. This is John chapter 5. Jesus replied, my father is always working. And so am I. God working in the world. And Jesus partnering with what the father is doing. He goes on, Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. Right? Jesus was convinced that God was working in the world, that God's kingdom is breaking in, that though this world is broken, God is repairing it, renewing it, restoring it. That there is, there is a point, there is a purpose, there is a direction to our history. That God is moving us back to the place he always dreamed we would be. And in that, Jesus has this holy expectation that at any moment, God might be like, hey, hey, I need you right here. There's something for you to do right here. And that expectancy... Friends, when you have that sort of expectancy, you begin to develop eyes and ears to see through the noise, to see through the busyness, to see through the crowd of life around us and the expectations that are put on us. And notice when God shows up. We see this again and again in the life of Jesus. Right? And... and Maybe you're like me in this. Maybe you see that and go, okay, well, fine, but that's Jesus. What about me? Well, God wants to use us in the same way. And uh, check this out. This is John 17. This is Jesus. He's actually praying. He's praying for his disciples. He says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them 
my followers into the world. Right? And note here, it's not just that they're sent, it's how they're sent. He says, as you sent me, I am sending them. There's, there's a sameness here in how we are sent and how Jesus is sent. Again, this is John chapter 20. This is after the resurrection. Jesus is with his disciples. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Right? We are sent as Jesus is sent. And we're given the Holy Spirit to do that work that we're sent to do as well. Uh, Friends, can you receive this? Uh, Listen, I really believe, I really believe that our biggest challenge to living as Christians who are missional is that we don't fully believe that God wants to use us. That we don't expect that God, even if we believe he's working in the world, we don't expect that truly, in actuality, someone as ordinary as me is going to be part of what God is doing. We miss this because somehow we don't think it applies to us. That only applies to that other person. But I would say Jesus begs to differ. As the Father sent Jesus, Jesus sends you. There can and should be in us an expectancy that God will do his work through us. Uh, So the church is turning 20 this year, right? This is super exciting. We'll have a big party. I don't know what we'll roast for that one, but I'm sure there will be meat. (laughs) Um, But, you know, this is happening, and I get all nostalgic, you know, with these kinds of things. So uh, some pictures popped up in, uh, in my feed the other day of uh, the first baptism we had as a church. And we've, most of our years, we've had a baptism. It, it's always been, you know, one, two, three, I think maybe at most five people. You know, we're, we've always been a small and smallest church, so it's always been pretty humble. But, um, uh, but, but check this out. So this is our first baptism. This is the Thorington's Hot Tub. Uh, for those of you who remember these days, or for those of us who have been with an Easter service, Easter is still at the Thorington's house, not in the hot tub. Uh, and um, you, might, you might recognize here, so this is, this is Lisa Taft, right? And uh, uh, she and Dallas are away this weekend for her birthday. But um, anyway, you'll recognize Lisa probably because she looks exactly the same today as she did 20 years ago. But uh, back then, she was Lisa Booty, meets Dallas. She and Dallas get married. They've been raising their family here and, and, you know, their life here since that time. But I was thinking about this week, right, how uh, for, for Dallas and Lisa, they have been serving in Mozambique since virtually the beginning of that ministry. They've been a really key part of our global team through the years. They've been to Mozambique themselves multiple times, Uh, They've been incredibly generous givers, sacrificial givers to the work that is going on there. And, um, I mean, you think about this, and and for those who have been around for a while, even the way that work has grown, you know, one orphan at a time, and then one orphanage at a time, and one church at a time, and one pastor at a time, and it's, it's just grown exponentially through the years from beginnings that are very humble, and, and, you know, I've I think of the Tafts, and I could think of them maybe asking themselves, 
gosh, how has God used us through the years? Well, part of it is this. And it's just showing up and being baptized and, you know, doing the things and following Jesus. And over time, it comes. Let me show you another one, too, from that same, that same baptism. So um, some of you might remember Ali Ash. She and her husband, Ryan, they've moved to San Diego a long time ago. But, um, but Ali, so she was baptized that day, too. And Ryan and Ali, they were, they were still pretty newly married, but their marriage was, was badly broken. Uh, I, you know, as a pastor, you're supposed to have more faith than this, but I was like, they're done, man. It's not going to, they're toast. There's no way this thing is going to be salvaged. But, uh, but God healed them in a way that was really beautiful and really special. And, and over the years that followed, as, as they grew in Christ, uh, couples started showing up on their door that had broken marriages. And God started working through them to bring healing to other people, and, and you know, just, just one at a time. Slow, nothing spectacular. But over the course of 20 years, it's been a lot of people. And it's, it's developed into, uh, into a really substantial ministry. It's a huge part of their lives and has affected dozens, maybe even hundreds of couples at this point. And, uh, and then on top of it, Allie now actually works for a church down there. Uh, we were down there in August. I did a vow renewal for the two of them. And, um, and she's now part of the teaching team at their church down there. How cool is that? No idea. 20 years ago, baptizing Allie, this would be something that ends up being part of their story. And I, I don't know if you do this too, but I, I have a tendency to do this. Uh, sometimes I wonder, you know, this, this encounter I'm having with a person or this way that maybe I'm reaching out or this thing that I say or praying for... You know, whatever it is, I wonder, is this big enough? Like, does this make a difference? This is like the tiniest drop in the ocean of the world's need. But I'm telling you, this is how God works. It's just, it's one at a time. And if, if there are whole communities like this of believers who are allowing God to use them one person at a time, it ends up being many. It ends up being much. But only as, as we focus, just one at a time, on what God is putting in front of us. Uh, last, when was this? Last week. Uh, it was last Sunday. Last Sunday before church, Doug was teaching, so I was like, sweet, I'm, I've got an easier morning. I'm going out for a run. So I go out, take a long run. Uh, I still showed up here, but you know, took a run. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm cooling off afterwards, walking down my street. And this one neighbor of mine, Ken, he's standing out by his gate. And uh, I'm not sure how old Ken is, but he's old. <laughs> and um, we've known him for a few years and had conversations with him. And he's, he's, a, he's, he's a really terrific guy. But, um, you know, I stopped and chatted with him. and said, hey, how's it going? And he says, well, you know, my wife was taken to the hospital a few days ago. And um, I don't know when she's going to be able to come back. I was like, wow. You know, and we talked about that a little bit. And, um, uh, and then in the course of talking, I noticed on his sweatshirt, there's a little cross drawn on the collar of his sweatshirt. And, uh, and I was like, Ken, what's the cross about? And he's like, there's a cross on there? And I was like, yeah, there's, there's a cross. And we've talked about faith a few times through the years. I said, did you become a Christian since we last talked? And he's like, oh, no, that just tells me what side of the shirt goes forward. <laughs> It's like, oh, okay. Um, he says, 
But, and starts to ask me questions about faith. And we had this, this beautiful conversation just out on the sidewalk in front of his house, right? A few doors down from my house while I'm sweaty and cooling off and he's out there thinking about his wife. And God is totally in that moment. Totally in that moment. And uh, uh, friends, we, we need to not overcomplicate this. We need an expectancy, a holy missional expectancy that God is at work and there's going to be people in your path that you are meant to bring a little bit of the kingdom to. Don't overcomplicate. Don't wonder, is this going to turn into something or not? Who knows? Just in that moment, focus on one person at a time. So, we develop, this is the first thing we see in this passage, develop a posture of missional expectancy. Second is this. It's say yes to divine interruptions. Verse 42 says, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. There's those crowds again. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Now, note these words in verse 42. I love this. It says, as Jesus was on his way. Right? Jesus, right, first, he's coming back from wherever. He's in this crowd, and God sort of interrupts him in the middle of this crowd with Jairus. And, and he knows, okay, this is the one. And he goes with Jairus. In the middle of that interruption, there's another interruption. This other woman comes up and touches him, and power goes out from this whole thing, right? Uh, but... I love that this just sort of happens as Jesus is on his way. God's just like, boom, here's another. I've got something else for you to do. Right? And uh, I think it was uh, St. John Lennon of Liverpool who said, life is what happens when you're making other plans. Right? It's, it's this idea, and, and it's, you see this all the time in the scriptures, and I find it's, it's very true in life. God very rarely consults our calendars before dropping things in our lap. So often it comes in the form of an unexpected encounter, a divine interruption of some sort or another. And we see in Jesus, we see he's got this expectancy that God is working and God is going to use me in his work, and also this willingness at any time to be interrupted by the Holy Spirit and say yes to what God is doing around him. <clears throat> another, uh, another one from this week. So uh, I have this, this crew that, that works out with me in the morning a few, few days a week, and uh, we're doing our warm-up the other morning, and it's early and dark, and, you know, we're, we're doing our thing, trying to pretend it's not so cold, and uh, this 
guy from around the block that I know who works for Torrance PD, pulls up on his motorcycle, pulls up on the sidewalk in front of our house and, uh, you know, and, and waves to me. And so I, I go over to him and, and I'm trying to help these folks warm up, but it's like, well, whatever, they can get themselves warm up. And I, I go and say hi to him and, and he knows that, that we've been involved in organizing some of the other churches and providing support and accountability for the police department here. And he says, hey, we've got this training we're doing with a bunch of police from out of town, uh, but we need a space that's bigger than what our conference room can hold. Could you find a church for me where may- maybe we can hold the event? And I said, sure. You know, no, no problem. I'll have you something by the end of the week. And, uh, and I'm, I'm about to walk away, but he's not going away, and so I kind of hesitated there for a moment, and he says, hey, and you know what else? And then and shares with me some more personal stuff. And, um, you know, and, and we've talked a bit about faith through the years, and he's, he's got a belief in God, but, you know, he, he doesn't have a pastor, and he's sharing this stuff with me, and it's like, okay, can I maybe pray for you in that? And, and I pray for him. You know, they're on our street and the sidewalk while he's on his bike and while the boys are behind me doing their warm-up. And, uh, uh, and it was awesome. And it was holy, right? There is this moment. I don't know what's going to come of that. I have no idea. I, I don't really care. That's not the point. He's the one at a time that God put in front of me at that moment, right? Uh, there was a Sunday afternoon... Uh, last year, I think it was during summer, uh, but sometime in the last year, I got a call from a member of our church one afternoon and and uh, Sunday afternoon and and says, "Hey, um, my brother is in town uh, for a surgery, and I'd known this was coming. We talked about it and had some prayer together about it. Um, uh, but she says he'd actually really be open to you praying for him. Would you be up for praying for him before the surgery?" And, and I texted back and said, said sure, you know, I'll, can I drop by tomorrow? And she texts back and says, well, actually, the surgery is tomorrow. Can you come today? Right? And, it's, and it's Sunday afternoon, and just kind of my rhythms, like I have this huge adrenaline dump like, that happens sometime mid-Sunday afternoon, and when I like, go into a cave, pretty much, and I don't speak to anyone that I don't live with for about a 24-hour period until I've recovered and you know, had my Sunday night wine and cheese and all the stuff that's, you know, you know about all this. Um, but it was, it was like, man, I, I just had this sense. This is a really important moment. And so I texted back and said, you bet, I'll, I'll be right over. So I do, and I cruise over, and, you know, and, and we talked for a while, and we prayed about the surgery, and, and, we, and we talked about Jesus. And, uh, and this brother put his faith in Christ. And it, it, was, it was just a beautiful such a beautiful, such a holy moment. And it, it wasn't planned. It was just God breaking in in the middle, right, as I'm along the way and saying, hey, right now there's this, and I need you to focus on this right now. Right? It's saying yes to divine interruptions, to expecting that God is at work and being ready to say yes when God put something into our path. Uh, now, I have to throw in a caveat here. Um, 
I'm telling a lot of me stories today. Uh, frankly, more than I'm comfortable with, and I, I kind of want to explain why that is. Uh, I, I really want... I really want to make this today really concrete and really practical and help kind of illustrate the ordinariness of it. Um, and, it's, and I'm a little squirmy about it, to be really frank. But I, I want you to know what I'm doing and know there's a purpose in it because I think it's really important for us not to, to make this into something bigger than what it should be. There's a simplicity to this that I want us... To capture, and I, I was wrestling through this on Monday. You know, do I, do I want to tell a bunch of stories about me? No, but uh, yeah, you know, back and forth. But I decided this week I'm going to count. I'm going to count how many of these divine encounters I have during the week, and uh, and perhaps if I have the guts to share them on Sunday. So um, uh, my count at the end of the week was nine. I think I got them all. I'm not sure, but uh, but I came up with nine of these. I've already told you a couple of them. Um, but it was really interesting to me. Two of these were scheduled. Two were actually appointments that I had with people. The other seven happened along the way. They were totally unplanned. Um, you know, I told you two already with different neighbors, but I mean, throughout the rest of the week, I, I, I met with a brother who's a gay Christian, and he's trying to figure out what does it look like for me to follow Jesus faithfully. And it was powerful. We had a terrific time talking about what that means, what that looks like for him as, as a single gay man. Um, I had a divine moment with one of my kids, right? Something I've been praying about and, and I did not think we we're going to talk about. And the door opened unexpectedly, you know, and, and I'll add not at the most convenient time, but it didn't matter. It was like the door was open. We're going there. And, and it was powerful. And, uh, uh, my youngest daughter, Hannah, had a, a wrestling tournament this weekend. So we were out in Moreno Valley for, uh, on Friday all day doing that. And, you know, just praying that morning, God, what would you want to do with us here? What does this look like? I had two really significant encounters with parents, right, where in the midst of, of a huge throng of it's CIF, there's, like, people everywhere. It's just packed wall to wall, and somehow at two moments during the day where it's just me and one other parent. And one of them, the parent turns to me and is like, hey, I'm really worried about my daughter. How hard is it for our kids to be Christians today? So much pressure. And we had this, this moment around this. And then another, later in the day, another guy who's telling me about the, to- the, the moment in college, the incident that caused him to lose his faith in the last time that he was in church. And, I mean, you can't plan these things. But there they are, and they happen, and God showing up. And I have an elderly uncle that I help care for and got to speak with a social service agency and free up some money on his behalf. Yesterday, I had a, a pastor friend stops by unexpectedly, and we spend 45 minutes talking about a thing that's going on with him. Uh, there, friends, there is a sense, and we have to be so aware of this, if we know that God is at work around us and we have eyes and willingness to see what he's doing, the reality is you and I can step into the adventure of what God is doing in the world at any given time. It's there. It's happening. And I know someone right now is saying, well, yeah, but you're a pastor. Well, yes, I am. 
but fully half those encounters I had this week had nothing to do with me being a pastor. And a couple, they didn't even know I was a pastor. And, and the other side of that is being a pastor cuts both ways, right? I do have certain conversations because I'm a pastor, but there are other people who will not talk to me because I'm a pastor. And there, there are doors that open for me, and there are doors that shut, and they shut hard. Doors that I could never walk through. But you know who can? You can. And God is at work in the world. And he wants to use you in what he is doing. If you pray for this, if you have eyes for this, I promise you, you can live into the adventure of life in the kingdom at any given moment. Because it is always happening around us. Yes? Friends, pray for these moments and then look for that nudge as God invites you into what he's doing. Okay, one more. So we're talking about developing a missional expectancy. We're talking about saying yes to divine interruptions. One more. It's three. It's trust God's spirit to provide the power. Verse 49, it says, While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Two moments here in this text I want to call your attention to. One was when the woman was healed. The crowd is jostling, and Jesus is like, somebody touched me, and Peter's like, duh, everyone touched you. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. And there's this great line. He says, no, I know power went out from me. He says, God just did something. He says, I sensed it. And then uh, here in verse 50, right, to the parents, he says, or to the, the father, don't be afraid, just believe, right? She's going to be healed. Jesus was confident, not only that God was at work, not only that God wanted to use him in that work, but that God was going to provide the power needed to do that work. There was a confidence there that God's spirit was going to show up and accomplish the thing that God needed to be accomplished, right? Because this is one of the areas that we shrink back as well, right? Right? And maybe at first it's, it's uh, just having trouble believing that God would actually want to use me in his plans, but then, and, and I confess this is where I usually fall short, right? But then believing that he's going to show up with power to do it, right? I think through the years Jesus has grown me in the area of being more expectant that he'll use me and having better eyes to see what he's doing, but he's, he's definitely still working on me here. Believing that in that moment, God is going to work with power and he's going to accomplish the thing that he needs to accomplish. Hmm. You, know, um, you know, most often, I think this is just kind of the nature of the spiritual life, but most often we don't see the result. We don't see the effect. I don't know what's going to happen with neighbor one and neighbor two. And maybe I will. 
over time. We'll see. But most of the time, I don't. Most of the time, you don't. Uh, and we can't be hung up on that. We need to show up in the moment, be present, and then trust that God is going to work, and he's going to do what he needs to do in that person. And, of course, that person, they have a part to play too, right? God might send you into somebody's life and you give an encouragement or you give a word or you give a prayer or you share the gospel, whatever you do. That person also has to do something with that. And that too is out of our control. All we can do is be faithful to show up, be present, believe God is working, believe God wants to use us, and trust in that moment that the Holy Spirit is going to provide the power. We don't have to do that. That's not part of our job description. That's what God does. And that's what we see over and over again in the life of Jesus. Right? And, um, you know, and, and sometimes, sometimes God does let us see what happens. And I find, too, uh, having been in this for some years now, over time, you see more and more what happens. You know, we, we have this one family promise family that keeps up with us you know, sends emails about updates of what's happening, you know, and, um, you know, these are the jobs we now have. This is what our kids are doing. Son just went off to college with a baseball scholarship. I mean, super, super fun stuff. Um, You know, other times God gives us glimmers. Had a couple of fun ones in in the last couple months. Um, One of the things that I, I try to do as best I can and to receive as kind of a divine interruption from the Lord is to take phone calls from, from other pastors. And um, I got a, uh, uh, man, I don't even know how many years ago this was, but I remember a friend emailed me and said, hey, I've got this guy, he's thinking about starting a church, you know, do you have a little time for him? And I was like, sure, let's set up a Zoom call. So, um, so I had a Zoom call with this guy. It's may, you know, it was maybe all of 20 minutes. It wasn't, it wasn't a huge encounter, at least for me. Uh, but, uh, but a year ago, two years ago, I was teaching at a conference for church planners, and, um, and this guy comes up to me afterwards and was like, hey, can you buy me a beer, or can I buy you a beer? And um, very rarely does somebody come and ask if I'll buy them a beer. But, but he, you know, he was like, hey, can I buy you a beer and talk about church plan? I was like, of course. Um, even if we weren't talking about church plan, that sounds delightful. So, um, so yeah, we, we sit down, and, and, uh, and he says, hey, I don't know if you remember me. And, you know, he goes on. He was the guy on that call. He's like, yeah, we ended up planning a church with a covenant denomination, and we're in Northern California and this and that. And I've, you know, been in touch with him here and there since then as well. Uh, in November, he sends an email and, and says, hey, are you guys going to do that whole Mozambique thing during Advent again this year? And I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to do the thing. And, um, and he asked to be put in touch with our global leader, so I put him in touch with Tony and, uh, and his church. He said, we, we'd love to be part of that. What can we do? And Tony says, well, we, we've got this one church in Mozambique that the building needs to be rebuilt. You know, do you guys want to raise some funds for that? And they end up raising enough for three churches to be rebuilt. And it's like, man, you never know what happens from these. Sometimes it even comes back to us, which is super fun. Uh, other times it doesn't. Um, I had another one uh, a few weeks ago. I was, was teaching uh, at a church planner conference, and, um, and I always get super nervous before those, by the way. I've, 
I think I've been teaching other pastors for probably almost 20 years now, but I still, every time, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, pastors, they, they're already going to know everything I tell them, why am I here, da-da-da, I'm such an imposter, I have all this insecurity, it's the worst. Um, but, so I, I'm working through all that before, uh, before my workshop, and, uh, uh, and this dude comes barreling into the room, and he's like, hey, I can't stay, I'm in another class down the hall, but I just needed to tell you, I, I read your book, I have a book on spiritual health for church planners, I read your book, and uh, you saved my life, and you saved my family's life. And he squeezed me. He's this huge bear of a man, just towered over me. He just squeezes me, and he pulls me in tight, and he starts to cry on me. <laughs> and he keeps whispering to me, you saved my life. You saved my life. And, um, you know, I, I didn't care how the workshop went after that. I was like, oh, I can bomb. It doesn't matter. I'm going to go home happy from this thing. Uh, but my, my point being, we, we don't know. We never know. We can't know. And it doesn't matter that we don't know. All that is God's, friends. All that is God's. Our job is just to put ourselves out there and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to provide the power to do what is needed. We just have to show up. Friends, expect that God is working in the world and that he wants to use you. Develop that sense of missional expectancy and with it will come eyes to see what he is bringing. Say yes to divine interruptions. Know that God isn't always going to go on your schedule, your timeline. He's just working at any moment. He might tap you on the shoulder and be like, this one, focus on this one. Show up for that. And trust the Holy Spirit is going to do his part too. Just do your part and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to do his as well. As you and I, just focus on one at a time. Let's pray.